labels. The power of labels that people often stick on us uh, and their long-term effect on us. In fact, this morning, I'm going to need some help from some experts at millennial generation labels. I'd like to have at least a couple, maybe three uh, junior high school students, high school students, or college-age students. So if you're available to help me this morning, I need you to just come on up here and come around this table and use the mic here in just a moment. So if you're willing, just come on up. Anybody? Just come on. Can we get, can we get a couple? I know I saw some high school kids in here. Or some college age. Come on. Come on. Make, come on. Oh, there's some right here. Oh, there's one. Good. Come on up. Yeah. Can I get a couple more? Can I get another high school student? This is college age. Can I get a high school student? A high school student. Junior high student. Come on. Give me one more. Dimitri's a nice guy. He won't. He won't. He won't. Uh, oh, I see. I see Papas over there. Come on up here, Papas. We could use you, actually. You'd be good. Encourage Papas. Oh, and we got Sammy, too. Come on up, all three. I think we've got junior high, high school, and college age. You guys come stand around the table there, and uh, you'll, I'll be leaning on you in just a moment as it relates to labels. And uh, Sammy and, and Papas, go ahead and sit down. So when I was, when I was uh, their age, in fact, when I was, when I was Papas' age here, uh, I remember I was, uh, I was playing baseball, and one of the things I was accused of was being a chicken legs. And they called me chicken legs because I played shortstop. And when the ball was hit at me and I didn't think that the ground was very level, I was always kind of phobic of getting hit in the face with the ball. Strange as that may seem, it happened to me several times. And so I always found, I, I picked my legs up out at the shortstop position all the time. And they called me chicken legs. And I always from then on, felt like I'm kind of a chicken. And then it continued. I was, got to play baseball uh, continually, and I, they put me out in right field, they told me, because I was strong enough to throw the guy out at first base. Uh, I think they were being a little, a little uh, nice. Uh, but I spent a lot of time in right field, and they called me Spaceman, because in... That's my sister laughing out loud. But they... They called me Spaceman because I think they thought I was in space. I wasn't paying attention. Butterflies caught my attention often. And uh, so I had this kind of label on me that I was, you know, off in space all the time. Are you guys following me? Just straight up. Okay, great. Thanks for being here. Okay, and then the last one that, <laughs> I'm not kidding, it, this kind of, this hurt. I had really bad, and might, 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 uh, you might struggle to believe it, I had bad acne. I'm not talking bad. I'm talking like, what was that bad? Uh, and, and I'll never forget my seventh grade year. One of my friends, I don't hold it against him, John Anderson, came up to me. And he came up to my face really close, okay? And I'm not going to do you guys. He came up to my face really close. I'll do it to you, Dimitri, because he, he came up to my face and he goes, dude, what is that? Uh... And he goes, and he goes, that, that is a pizza face. And I need to tell you, I had fairly good self-esteem, but from that moment, I, it just stuck with me. I mean, I've forgiven him. But, uh, but when you get labeled like that, when you, can, when you consider yourself a chicken legs, when you hear that you're a spaceman at age 12, 
or that you're, uh, you're, you're a pizza face. Those kind of things, you, they're hard to shake off sometimes. In fact, inside of your programs, I actually put some labels this morning that I want you to use later in the service to help you uh, understand how Christ has labeled you in an appropriate way. But the truth is, labels stick with us. And in, on in high school, Dimitri, in high school, I took my SAT score, and I got a high score if, you can, if while combining the two scores, it, it could represent one. I mean, I just did not do well on the SAT at all. It was embarrassing to me. And I just wondered, what, what is going to become of me? You know what I'm saying? Spaceman, pizza face, low SAT score, right field guy. What's my future? And the truth is, labels, when you hear those kind of things, they can leave marks. Now, I'm going to throw out some labels, and I want you to tell me if I've left any out. And maybe kind of update all of us on why generation, millennial generation labels. So some kids are known as the... Popular kids, perhaps. Is that true? Uh, some students might be recognized as athletes. Some in my generation were called nerds. Okay? They're making a lot of money now. Uh, uh, others in our generation were, oh, someone was considered to be hot. Not to the touch, but, you know, like really good looking. Everyone wanted to be hot. Everyone wanted to be popular. Everybody, you know what I'm saying. What about, tell me a little bit about your generation. Papas, there's a mic probably right underneath your, your right, right by you. Tell us, what are some of the labels that are, are thrown out to your generation? Papas, that, that's, they want you to go first. Middle school students, go ahead. Parents, do not hold your kids in responsible for anything they say here. I take responsibility. Go ahead. Um, people call each other fake sometimes. Fake? Yeah, like, um, but that's kind of like... You'll go up to one person, and you'll say something, and then you'll go to another person and talk bad about that okay. person behind their back. Okay. That's like... So they're considered fake? Yeah. All right. commonly said one. Being labeled fake. All right. What else? Anything else for the middle school generation? You hit it on the spot, mostly. The popular, the athlete, yeah. the nerd. Do you guys call each other nerds anymore? That, yeah, it's not very common. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's go to the high school. Sammy, tell us, what are the labels in high school? All right, uh, basically, you hit it on the spot, like Papa said, but uh, sometimes people call each other trash. What does um, that mean? It's basically saying like that you're not necessarily worthless, but you don't mean anything to anyone. Nice. So. Kind of a nice good morning. <laughs> Have a good day at school. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've heard this before, but um, people call each other crusty. Crusty. Yeah. Um, Do we want to talk about that one? I don't know. No. Okay, let's know. let that one okay, go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Any others? I don't think so. All right, Dimitri, give us some labels. Wait. Yeah, go ahead. Salty. Salty. Yeah. Can we talk about that one? Yes. What does that mean? Getting a really, like, they're overreacting about something that happened when it's just to be like, just, oh, whatever. But you get really. They overreact. Yes. So yes. they're considered salty. Yes. Might be worth using in the home. Yes. Okay. Dimitri, give us a few. All right. Uh, well, nowadays, like, people don't call each other hot. They'd be like, oh, bro, she's so bad. She's bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And I'll say other ones would be like. Uh, what other labels? Oh, he got swag. 
Okay. But like, like he's not like cool. He 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 got so much swag or something like that, like okay. a swag juice or something like that. Swag juice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Swag juice. <laughs> swag juice. Yeah. Okay. He's that. Uh, can I even can our generation use that? I mean, if my wife says you got some swag juice today, is that cool? I mean, I'm gonna take it as a compliment, so I, I guess it would be cool for All me. All right, okay. <laughs> Any other labels? Ooh, nah. Okay. Would you guys give them a hand for getting us started? Thank you. Thanks, fellas. I really appreciate it. I know that's not easy. So, the deal is that labels have the power to to either encourage us or to get us stuck. And this morning, I, I wanted them to share some of the labels because of their generation, because I thought it might help you even think about some of the things that you heard as a kid, as a, uh, from a parent, from a coach, um, from a teacher, uh, even from, a, from an employer, that may have caused you, for whatever reason, to get kind of stuck and have a view of yourself that's not accurate. And it's not only that labels are placed on us. Sometimes, and I can say this personally, sometimes I'm tempted to self-label. You know, I'll label myself from my own perspective. And I'm, I'm not always as, you know, sometimes I can be too generous or, or an inaccurate or even uh, be too self-critical. And what I think is that labels are one of those sticky, uh, sticky practices that I think all of us would look back and say, boy, I wish, I wish I had not believed that label about myself. I wish I had not allowed that teacher, that coach. Um, I wish I had not maybe allowed that parent to have that kind of influence in my life. I wish I had not allowed that label to stick and instead um, really looked for the who really has the right to label me. And that's the question I want to ask this morning. Who has the right to label you? Who has the right to label anything? To place a label uh, on an item like is on the back of your shirt or your jeans, your shoes, who has the right to label anything? I think you would agree that in our culture, this is a very sensitive issue. Um, anyone who goes out and says, you know, they have the authority to label another group um, is immediately marginalized because it's a polarizing thing to say you have the right to label anybody. Would you agree? Agreed? But I think we would all agree that those that have the right to label are manufacturers, they're purchasers, they're owners. When you, when you uh, get a baseball glove, you oil it, you get it ready, and then eventually you write your name on it. The same with football gear. You don't want to lose it. You write your name on it. You label it. Uh, sometimes you do that with... Uh, Clothing on a long trip, uh, if, if you're with a large group of people, you're afraid your shoes might get mixed up with someone, you label it. I think in our home, we used to try to label socks just by color choice for the kids. Uh, labeling is for the manufacturer. It's for the purchaser. It's for the owner. And I want to just pause here and say that, that 
that there's nothing wrong with labeling something when you're the purchaser. And this morning, if you're a Christ follower, you should be able to get it that Jesus purchased us some 2,000 years ago, like Craig described, he purchased us on that cross. He poured out his, his blood, he allowed his body to be um, really barbarically treated to purchase us. He has the authority to label us. He's the one that I think you're going to see. I'm going to be in John, the Gospel of John here in just a few minutes. He's the one that has the authority to, to label us. And I want you to leave today with maybe an idea of how he has uniquely labeled you. And my hope is that you're going to be able to peel off some labels that maybe you've placed on yourself or that you've allowed others to place on you that are unhealthy. Unhealthy labels like, hey, I, I don't have what it takes to do what I'm doing right now. Unhealthy labels like, you know what, I'm, I'm just not attractive enough for, um, for my mate, for a relationship. Uh, labels like, you know what, I've messed up way too much for God to have a future for me. I have messed up everything he's given me. I want you to pull those labels off, and I want you to put God's labels on. And I want to show you how Jesus is the one that you can let label you. He's the only one. Turn to John chapter 1. I want to show you briefly some examples of how Jesus labels uh, some of his closest friends. And again... I argue that Jesus has the authority to label us because he purchased, if you're a Christ follower, you acknowledge that what Jesus did on the cross was a purchase of your life and soul, of you. In John chapter 1, beginning in verse 40, it says that Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who, I'm on page 738, by the way, in our Adventure Bibles, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. He brought his brother, uh, Peter, to Jesus. First, their first meetup, and Jesus looked up and said to him, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas which translated is Peter or Rock. It's their first meetup. It's their first encounter. And Jesus looks at him and says, you're going to be a rock. Your future is to be a a leader. This was a lot to say to someone of Peter's background, especially coming from Jesus. You're going to lead. You're going to be a rock. You're going to be solid. You're going to be dependable. You're going to be strong for the people that need you to be strong. That's your future. Who has the right to say that to us? Who has the right to label us like that? Only let Jesus label you. Only the one who made you can label you. 
only the one who made you can label you. In John's gospel, John begins with an opening prologue where he describes uh, what philosophers, Greek philosophers, uh, would refer to as the reason for existence, the reason that actually holds the whole universe together. He likens that reason to the Greek word logos, which you've heard in software world language, and he likens the reason or that which holds everything together to Jesus himself. Let me read this to you, Uh, John chapter 1. In the beginning, John writes, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not understand it. Here, John is introducing Jesus as maker. He's the maker. He was part of the creation team in Genesis 1 when God said, Let us make man in our own image. Only the one who made us has the right to label us. Only the one who made us has the right to label us. Who has the right to label you? I would say this morning, the one who made you. I wonder how Jesus would label you today. How would he describe you? If you were to meet up with him uh, personally in some one-on-one time today, how would he describe you? He says to Peter, Peter, you're a rock. I see you as a rock. That's where you're developing. But you got to understand, this must have been difficult for Peter to hear for a lot of reasons. One, he had no idea what Jesus was talking about. He's new to, um, new to Jesus entirely. He had no idea that his future would involve um, leading a very persecuted church in the first century. The church of Jerusalem had the kind of persecution, the kind of violence around it that we see in the Middle East today. A lot of tension. That Peter, who was the least educated, would be expected to lead in that arena. You would think that Paul, who was sent to the Roman world, would have been more qualified. It's not unusual for God to take someone who's apparently least qualified and put him right in the middle of where all the high expectations were. That's what he did to Peter. And, and who's Peter? Peter's that guy that has sometimes um, um, a uh, foot and mouth disease. Peter's that guy that uh, often speaks before he really thinks about the weight of what he's saying. Peter's that guy that, uh, that, uh, that has a higher view of his abilities than is realistic. Uh, he says, Jesus, I'm willing to die with you if that's necessary. Peter's that guy that uh, all of a sudden, after admitting his great abilities, is denying ever knowing Jesus. He's with three uh, sorority girls uh, in Jerusalem talking around a fire, and they say, hey, you, you know Jesus, don't you? We hear your Galilean accent. That's what was worse for Peter is while he's denying ever knowing the Lord, he's doing it in a Texas draw. I mean, everyone can hear the guy's got an accent. He's not from Jerusalem. Hey, y'all, I don't know Jesus. I don't even know what you're talking about. That's, that's Peter. And Jesus is saying, hey, you're going to be this rock. 
Only the one who made you has the right to label you. I wonder if, like Peter, you've fallen into a trap where you've allowed all these labels on you to make you self-evaluate that you don't have what it takes to do what God's called you to do, to, 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 to excel at your maximum capacity right where you're at. And if that's the case, I want to challenge you to ask the Lord to, to show you how he's labeled you, to show you how he's equipped you, to give you hope in your current situation, to let the Lord label you. Don't let other people label you. No one else has that authority. Only the one who made you has the authority to label you. If you look in John's uh, writing, after he talks with Peter, he meets another disciple. Uh, it's it's uh, Nathaniel. Go down with me to verse uh, 44. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We've found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, he says, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, There, rather, here is a true Israelite in whom is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Uh, Just a note, this is probably the first confession of the identity of Jesus we see in the New Testament. It comes very early from Nathanael. We always refer to Peter's confession. Here Nathanael caught and understood who Jesus was very early. I think it's great you've got Nathanael out out, out uh, near a fig tree, uh, and he's hearing about Jesus. He is told by his friend that Jesus is, um, is the one Moses wrote about, and he hollers out, what good could come from Nazareth? It's like saying, what good could come from your hometown? I think this would have been so fun as he walks up. Uh, and Jesus says, of Nathaniel, Nathaniel, here is a man who has uh, integrity, a man who's honest, a man that doesn't lie. There's no deceit in him. You know, not only does the one who made us have the right to label us, but I would argue that the one who purchases us has the right to label us. Jesus labels Nathaniel here. He describes him in a way that has everything to do with Nathaniel's integrity. It might be easy to just gloss over that and think, well, what's, where's that going to get Nathaniel? I say everywhere. Let me ask you, when you, when you are tempted to be critical or maybe even... Uh, even to give instruction. Do you typically point out in, the, in others where they're falling short, where they're not meeting expectations, where they're, where they're not listening? Or like Jesus, do you begin with identifying and accenting the virtue that you see in the lives of others? I'm sure that uh, Nathaniel wasn't perfect. Um, they say in parenting, it's the same way. You always accent the positive. You accent the virtue. You don't accent the vice. When you look at Jesus' 
evaluations of churches in the book of Revelation, the first few chapters. Jesus always begins by affirming the churches, affirming individuals. What is your habit when it comes to labeling? Do you, or identifying character, do you look for the virtue? Do you look for the Christ-likeness? Are you positive about others, or do you tend to just go there and say, oh, look at that. That's another blow it again. Wow. There's another mess up. He doesn't have any swag juice going for him. (laughs) You know? And what we learn from Jesus is that he sees Nathaniel. Nathaniel's probably in his late teens, early 20s. And Jesus sees a person who doesn't lie. Let me just pause there for a moment. A person who doesn't lie. Hey, is if you have your choice of being around anybody, how high would a person who tells the truth be someone you'd want to be with? We live in a culture, I think, that practices the language of the devil. You know what the language of the devil is? He's a liar, and the tr- there is no truth in him. His native tongue, evil itself, his native tongue is lying constantly. So when Jesus calls out Nathaniel and says, here's the guy that doesn't lie. Let me tell you, that's the guy I want to hang out with. Don't you? Don't you want to be with someone that you can trust that's telling you the truth? Yes, sir, David. You want to be with someone that's honest. Jesus, only Jesus has the authority to label us. Jesus labels Nathaniel. He accents Nathaniel's integrity and character. Let me encourage you, parents. I have to practice this with my own kids. Uh, accent the positive. Accent the virtue. Accent their ability. In fact, sometimes you say it like this. Hey, you know what? This is not the, the person I think you're capable of. What I see is virtue. What I see is discipline. What I see is the potential for courage and love and strength. You've got this. You've got this. The one who purchased us can label us. Jesus labeled Nathaniel as one without deceit. How do you label people? I say you don't have the authority to. I say you have only the encouragement to build people up and, and, and encourage them to continue using their strengths. By the way, I think this really works well in a marriage. They say. Oh, it does. You identify the positive. Works really well in, in all relationships. Encourage the virtue. And hey, unfortunately, it doesn't make the news. The news only gets excited about the negative information. But it'll build people up. Who has the right to label you? Who has that kind of authority? I would say thirdly, the person who has the right to label you is the person who owns you. The person who owns you has the right to label you. Just like a, uh, a student would maybe write their name on a lunch bag or a lunch pail. An owner has the right to label us. In John, turn over just a few chapters, John chapter 4. Uh, Jesus, it's lunch, it's hot, he's thirsty, and he... Uh, goes to Jacob's uh, well. This is a parcel of land that 
Jacob bought and a, a well was dug into it. He goes to get some water and he runs into a woman who had lots of labels on her. I'll just read verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Uh, His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. I read that verse alone because there's so many labels packed into it. She was a Samaritan. She was not a 100% Hebrew or Jew. Her ancestors had intermarried. She had some shame in her national history, ancestry. She also was a woman. Women were not given authority to uh, testify in a court of law. A rabbi was never to be alone with a woman. Jesus breaks that custom, and he comes up to her, and he asks her for a drink. We find out later in the narrative, she's been married five times. The man she's living with is not her husband. And Jesus does nothing but simply love her and encourage her, and he reveals himself to her, his identity. She leaves this dialogue. She goes and tells all of her friends in her hometown, and the scripture says later in this chapter that many people came to believe in Jesus because of her testimony. Who has the right to label us? It's the one who owns us. The one who owns us has the right to label us. In 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul writes that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're not your own. This woman was learning that pure religion, pure and undefiled religion, was having a relationship with God wherever she was at. There was no, not going to be long-term any place of worship, but having a pure faith and trusting in the Holy Spirit to live in her and enjoying God's presence all the time was the future for her. Jesus labeled her very uh, as, as loved and cared for just by his mere interaction with her. Let me ask you if you would take out, just for the exercise, if you have your programs, if you came in and got one, Take out these labels that are here. And I want to read to you a few labels that might be appropriate for you to write down for yourself. I want you to put a label on yourself or on someone dear to you today. And here are some ideas. You might take out a pen and and write these down. Maybe the label you write to give to a friend or a child is uh, the label uh, a friend of Jesus. Or the label you use is loved. Or the label you write down is courageous. Or the label you write down is forgiven. Or purchased, brand new, redeemed. Or humble. Or disciplined. Or gorgeous. If you're single today, that might be a a move to use. (laughs) Or if you're married, it might be a good move to use. 
or lovely or fun. Only Jesus has the right to label us because only Jesus created us. Only Jesus made us. Only Jesus purchased us. Only Jesus owns us. May the label you write and give be not your label, but the label Jesus would have you give to somebody else. And if you have labels that, like Sammy and Papas and Dimitri were describing, that maybe you've hung on to too long, you need to let go, then I encourage you to unpeel those, get free of those, and let Jesus label you. Can you imagine being free of some of those labels that may have stuck with you for a long time? Can you imagine being free of, even as I described, a low SAT score that makes you kind of timid about learning sometimes? Can you imagine being free of any label that might make you think that you don't have what it takes or that your past is unforgiven? Can you imagine being free from feeling like your gender, your nationality is just, it's not enough for God to accomplish what he wants to in your life? That's, that's what it means to live a life that can be described by this slogan, you'll be glad you did. Unpeel the labels. Don't label others. Only Jesus has the authority to label you. In just a moment, we're going to have our prayer team come down and be available for you. Maybe today is a day where you're going to make the personal decision for the first time to accept that what Jesus did on that cross was his purchase of you. He purchased you to have a relationship with you, and as you come down and are met by our prayer team, they're going to walk you out and take you back and pray with you. Maybe today you just have some stuff that you feel like you need to deal with. They'll take you out into our back prayer room and pray with you. Um, Let's pray right now together, and then we'll give you a chance to come forward. Join me, won't you? Heavenly Father, help us remove any labels that are on us or maybe that we've put on someone else that that we didn't have the authority to place because we're not the maker, we're not the purchaser, we're not the owner. And help us instead long to be labeled by you and be free of the things of this world. In Jesus' name, amen.